Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. Sabbath, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, Arlen, uh, Charles, and Esther, good to see you again. Happy Sabbath. Daniel, uh, good to see you. Diana, good to see you again. Glenda, uh, Sister Ingrid, Janet, my boy Kev, Sister Queenette, it's good to see you. Rachel, Roger, Brother Roy, good to see you. And Yvette, good to see you guys on our study this evening. I pray that you are blessed. You know, I know you're blessed. I don't even have to pray about that. I know you're blessed and I know God has been good to you this week, else you would not even be able to be on this line uh, studying and having the opportunity to study. God is so good to us. I am excited. This week, <laughs> as I was preparing to do this study, I was, I, I don't know if you ever did a study and like you almost like jump up and down or like almost do a hallelujah move or something like I got excited because as I was going through the, the study and the process, I'm seeing how God does this salvation thing, guys. I'm seeing it in a way that I've not seen it before. I know I don't know if you've ever, you know, you drive down a street and as you're driving down the street, you can, you don't, you know, you've been down that road many times. And then one day you decide, you know what? I'm not going to drive down the street. I'm going to walk down the street. And when you walk down the street, you start seeing things that you never saw before because you are going at a slower pace. You're going at a slower modality. You're not driving. You get to look around and you get to see and you begin to see things that you had not seen before. And so that's been happening with me. As I've been going through these studies, I've been seeing things that I... I don't know why I never saw it before. I don't know why it didn't. It wasn't as crystal as it's been in times past, as it's been now. And so I'm excited. This study, I'm telling you, somebody, whether you guys on this platform, somebody's going to watch the recording somewhere else, somebody's going to listen to it somewhere else, somebody is about to have some type of deliverance today, uh, because the word of God is true, and every man. Every woman is a liar, but God, he is true. And so I'm so excited. I am so excited about our study this evening. And so before we do that, I want to start with a word of prayer. And before I do the prayer, I want to tell you that song that was just playing, It Is Well With My Soul. It was saying in a different way, of course, but I'm telling you, friends, the time in which we are living now, the experiences that I'm having on a personal basis, Jesus is everything to us. We must learn to have him as everything to us. And so I'm excited about this because it's like, is the gospel real? The answer is yes. Can I have an experience that allows me to have peace 
in the midst of all of my storms? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. So watch this, friends. We're going to study. And before we do that, let's pray because there's no intelligence in me <laughs> to be able to share with you the realities of the gospel alone. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy. We want to thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, as we're about to study inspiration, as we're about to take the truths of inspiration, Lord, we ask that you apply them by your spirit into our hearts and minds. That the things of this world will grow strangely dim. I pray, Father, that the enemy of souls will be pushed back. That clarity of thought and feeling reflects you, Father. That your son Jesus is seen in a magnificent way, even in stories that we've already seen or read before. Father, please reveal your son to us in a way that we have yet to see him. We pray this in Jesus' name and we claim the merits of his blood. Amen. Amen. All right. So tonight, our lesson is lesson number six. Oh, by the way, the lesson guides, I'm a little behind schedule in creating them. You will have all of them caught up by next week for sure. You'll probably get another one tomorrow. And then as the days roll by, then get a little, a, a little behind because I have to write them and, you know, collaborate them. It takes a little bit of time. So if you guys could pray that the Lord give me faster mind and more uh, energy, I will get these done faster for you. Lesson number six, believe and receive. You can have what God has promised. Now, my friends, I would like someone, please raise your hand. I would like to talk to you on my screen today. That's what I want to do. I want to talk to you on my screen today. So I would like you to raise your hand. If you know the answer to my question, uh, and actually, let's have three people raise their hand. So we have three of you on the screen with me. Don't be shy. All right. <clears throat> good, good. So I'm going to allow you to come on the screen with me. All right. We got one. Give me another one. All right, Diana. Great. Come on in. One more. Give me one more raise hand. Be not afraid. I promise this will be painless. One more hand. I got Charles and Esther, Diana. One more hand, please. One more hand. Anyone? All right, you guys are gonna see what I do to them first, huh? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> You're gonna see what I do to them first. All right, Charles, Esther, Diana, you can take your your uh, microphone off. Diana, you hear? Okay, let me do this. Unmute. There we go. Unmute your microphone. All right. I think ours is unmute. No, you. I can hear you guys perfectly fine. Okay, you can hear us fine. Good. Yep. Oh, you can't be heard. So Diana cannot be heard. Okay, we'll just type. Okay. So let's, I'll ask the questions. You guys can type it in the chat. Charles and Esther, you guys have been, you know, they're watching to see what I'm going to do to you. So let's, let's go in and see what, <laughs> what happens. All right. So my first question to you guys, and in the studies that we've got gone over so far, uh, what has been some points that have stood out to you? For me, it's that I'm loved. 
see God's love in all the different aspects of our life. Amen. Right? The idea that you can see that love, you're loved, and you can see that love in all the other aspects of your life. It's not relegated to someone just saying God loves you. No, you can practically see it. That's powerful. Very good. Anything else stood out to you in, in, our, in our studies together? Nature. In what sense? Um, when I'm driving to work, I park at a little parking lot when I'm early and mm-hmm. I watch I watch the little squirrels and the rabbits and other furry little things bebop around doing animal things. And you know, they're quite enjoyable if you sit down and you just watch them and don't think of them as pests. <laughs> That's true, right? They are they are yeah. they are they are enjoyable. There were three of them that ran through my yard the other day. I mean, at like in a row, they're like playing a little game. And I just thought, look at that little family of squirrels enjoying themselves in the freezing cold out here. They were just frolicking together. Yeah, very good. Yeah, nature expresses the love of God in a limited way, but we can see it. We can definitely see it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now, Charles and Esther, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you guys a book. So I, I know I have your address somewhere. So I, I want to just congratulate you for taking the time, not being afraid of me, and uh, coming on. Uh, the question and answer by Andre this this evening. All right, my friends. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you guys go back. Thank you. I'm going to let you guys go back and be attendees. All right. Very good. All right. So anyone else? I have one. I have one more book to give away. It's a nice book. Trust me. I will give. I will send it to you. It'll be a nice book. But uh, if you would, if you could come on, and I'll ask you a question. All right, Janet. All right. Hello, Janet. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Wonderful, wonderful. So um, quick question for you. Now, you've been coming more than one time now. I've seen your name here. And uh, what is it that you've taken away from our studies thus far? Well, I think the most important thing that I've taken away from the studies is to, you know, not only ask repentance for your sins, but to humble yourself and turn away from those sins and ask the Lord to help you not continue to do them. Amen. That That's huge. I was just talking to my mom and dad this week, and I was thinking with them, and I was saying, I don't think many people are actually Christians. I think, I think to a large degree, we have a formality of it, but we really never have had a sorrow for sin and, and literally turned away from it. And asking God to give that to you is powerful because it is a gift of God. It is absolutely a gift of God. Wonderful. Anything else in, in our studies together? Well, I mean, that's, that's really the, the biggest thing. Um, but I find myself, you know, the other week when we were talking about, let's see if I can find it. Lesson five. When we were talking about um, relationships and family, oh, here it is. No, wrong study. Yeah, so 
the the recap, the nature, the scripture, but adding the family relations into those things on a daily basis. Mm. You know, you, when you go out and you walk and you get in your exercise and your sunshine and your scripture from your daily devotionals. And but I wasn't tying in the family relations. And that mm. really made a difference as I was thinking about it. And I started to make phone calls, you know, during the week when I have a minute to talk to my sisters or my mm. brother. I talk to my mother all the time, but, you know, my sisters and my brothers, I, I could go months without talking to them and I don't even think about it and they live around the corner. Mm. So, I mean, I've definitely taken that away from it as well. Amen. Praise God for that. Thank you, Janet. Now, I don't know. Did you register? Like you registered in the, you must have registered because you're on the, on the Zoom, but I don't think right. I have your address. So if you can send me a private chat and put your address there and I'll send you a book. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Excellent. Excellent insights, my friends. I see, Diana, you typed in there. You like the illustration of Jesus having a big teddy bear to show God is something better for us than we can imagine. Amen. Amen. That is, that is a powerful truth. A powerful, powerful, powerful truth. So I'm excited. Very good, guys. So let me see here. Let me see here. Okay, here we go. Back to our study. So we're talking about today or tonight, believe and receive, you can have what God has promised. So I want you to open your Bible and we're going to be delving into some stories, particularly dealing with the person of Jesus, but it's going to illustrate the point of faith and acceptance. And I'm going to ask a question here to start out. What are we to do when we realize our horribleness, meaning the Holy Spirit has revealed the reality of what we are, and we realize that we have been in bondage to our own sin? What are we to do? Then the other question on top of that question is, how do we obtain harmony with God and likeness to him? Now, some folks think that you can get this harmony with God by paying, okay, yeah, by paying, paying money. You know, you, you're a big money person at the church because you have money at your church. The church treats you better than everybody else because you got money. Somehow we donate to ministries or we pay big, big portions of money to, to help the poor and in doing so, somehow we think that brings us closer to God. Or some of us think we've got mad intelligence. We're just very, very intelligent. And by our intelligence and our organizational strategies and our ministry and our preaching, somehow this brings us to a better position with God. Or maybe we just think we're wise. I mean, we've been making wise choices throughout our life. And because we're wise and intelligent, this brings us to a, sp a special relation with God. I want to tell you right now, my friends. There's nothing, zero of yourself that you can bring to the table that you can work to do that will bring you into right relation with God. I'm going to share a secret with you tonight, which is really not a secret at all. 
But I want to share a secret with you tonight that will bring your Christian life to life, to abundance, in vibrancy. And we've already laid the platform. And I'm going to walk through the platform in a short synopsis before we get to these texts. So in a short synopsis, chapter one, we talked about, or lesson one, we talked about seeing God's love. We see it in family. We see it in nature. We see it in the word of God. And we see it in the person of Jesus Christ. That's, that's how we can see and experience the love of God around us every single day. We never have to skip a day, right? Number two, lesson two, the sinner. We are sinners. We have a great need of God. So the revelation of Christ reveals my great need of him. Then we sell our great need of him, and then we have to do repentance. But repentance is not natural. Repentance is a gift from God that we receive as we are in his presence, right? You can't make yourself repent because it's a heart problem. Repentance is a heart issue. Repentance is is, is a problem with the rebellion of this, because in your mouth, you can be saying one thing about God, but in your heart, you can be in rebellion. So repentance works altogether different from how we think it has worked. Uh, we talked about confession as well. Confession being a, 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 a closely related to repentance, but in our, in our discussion of, repent, of, repent, of confession, it was to be specific, not broad in general, not I'm sorry that you feel that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that I caused you pain. No, no. What pain? How was it caused? Specific. And we talked about the reason for the specificity is so that we would recognize with clarity this sin, whatever the issue might be, so that we do not repeat it. Imperative that we don't repeat it. So repentance. And type it in the chat. What is the definition of repentance? What is the definition of repentance? Type it in the chat. I know you guys are great students. What is the definition of repentance? I, okay, I'm waiting on you. Anybody remember? That's right to confess and turn away from it. Sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. It's a sorrow for the sin itself, not just the sin, not the results of sin alone, but the sorrow for sin itself and the results of sin and the turning away from it. Some people don't want to go to hell, but that's, that's not repentance. You ever seen a child <laughs> get caught for doing something, they're about to get spanked, they be like, oh, they cry. They don't get spanked. Next minute, you know, they end the thing they, they were just caught doing, right? So it's not the result of sin that we're repenting of alone. It's the sin itself and the result of sin. And it's, you know what? I want nothing else to do with that sin. So what would have to bring us, what would have to happen to us to bring us to a state where we don't like sin itself? I'll tell you what, if it touches something that you love, you will definitely not like it anymore. 
I mean, at least you would hope that there would be something that would turn you away from it. If it touches something that you love. I know for me recently, there's something that's transpired in my life where literally I never had a hatred for this particular sin until life comes on you. And then when it came, I'm like, there is, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy the Lord's given me this hatred for it at this level, but I'm like, man, do I have to go through this experience to learn how to hate it like that? So yes, the choice needs to be made by us and then God can give us the power to turn, turn away. Oh, somebody's been listening to the study. Someone said they must understand the true force of the will. Powerful. And that's what we talked about consecration. We talked about consecration. So after you confess, after you've repented, now you've given yourself wholly to God. You've chosen to do it. You can't do it. You can choose to do it. And then God does it for you. It's a supernatural work that he works in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He works in you to fulfill what he has promised in you. If you choose. Very good, Susan. Very good. Powerful. Powerful. All right. So that's our review. So let's, let's dig now. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Please notice here what the Bible says in Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. My friends, read that again. I want to read this again so you can hear what the scripture is saying. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Well, how do you buy something without price, without money? <laughs> but he says, come, because he knows that the best that you have to offer is your filthy heart, is my filthy heart. How do we buy without money? How do you buy? It's interesting, my friends, if without doing, I'm not doing a prophecy study right now, but compare that thought, buying without money, and you won't be able to buy or sell in the market of East time. I'm mean, at compare the two thoughts at another time, but it's something just throw in there for now. How do you buy without money? Well, here's the thing. You, you know the story of uh, the, the great field. <clears throat> and the guy goes with, with, and he sees a treasure in the field. He buries the treasure again, goes and pays for the field in order to buy the field and the treasure. Now, of course, what he paid for the field was not even close to the value of what he received. Does that make sense? What he paid for the field could have been five shekels, a hundred shekels, 10,000 shekels did not even come close to the value of what the field was worth because of the treasure. Just like the pearl of great price. The guy goes and sells everything that he has to buy this pearl, not understanding the people didn't understand that this pearl was more valuable than everything that he had. Kind of like, as has already been referenced, the little girl with her big teddy, that little teddy bear, and Jesus having that big teddy bear. The question is, do you trust Jesus with your last shekel 
in order to receive eternal realities? That's the question. Again, we're just laying a foundation. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Notice what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Here it is again. The idea, the idea of coming and reasoning. Coming and reasoning with God. Your sin, your rebellion is not worth what you are paying for it right now. Trade that in for eternal life. Ezekiel 36, look at this. Ezekiel 36, <clears throat> and we're looking at verse 26. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. The Bible says, watch what it says. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Let me see this. Excuse me. I will give you a heart of flesh. So notice again the promise of God, and notice that this promise is in the old testament this promise is in the old testament he promises to give us a new heart also will i give you a new spirit will i put within you i will take away the stony heart out of your flesh so kevin that's the payment your stony heart and how much is that worth nothing so you're buying without money you are literally giving him something that's worth less so that you can get something that's priceless <laughs> now, tonight, my friends, I'm going to show you in a practical way how to take hold of what God has promised. And I'm going to, by God's grace, by the Spirit of God, we're going to make it as plain as possible so that nobody that's listening will have an excuse to continue to be a slave when they want to be free. If you want to be free, freedom is available tonight. I promise you it's available tonight if you want to be free. So let's go a little bit further with this. Ask and believe. Now, we're gonna look at a couple of things. Again, as we're laying these pieces out, you wanna make sure, I don't know how you diagram, how you view things. I have charts that I like to make. I can't make charts on the screen right now. I'm gonna get a pad and be able to do that later. But I want you to think about the things I'm going to say to you and the stories that we're going to review. And as we do this, my friends, you will find victory tonight, not tomorrow, not 15 years from now, tonight you will find victory. So I want to look at a couple of stories, some of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Go with me to the book of Luke, the book of Luke. Watch this, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and pay close attention. In Luke chapter 5, and we're beginning at verse number 17. Luke chapter 5, and verse 17, the Bible says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, 
which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I want you to hear what I'm saying. The Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I'm going to say that to you tonight, right now. Right now, the power of the Lord is present to heal you tonight, to heal me tonight. Watch what it says. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring a man and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tilling with his couch into the mist before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven. Now, I want you to just keep this in mind. Somebody's house, the way they made their rules must have been different from today. These friends knew that Jesus was the only place where this man would receive healing. I don't think they were thinking about his soul healing. I think they were only thinking about his physical healing. And they said, we're going to do whatever we can. I don't care if there's a crowd. We're going to go around the crowd, above the crowd, in the open, open the roof of the house and let him down in the midst while Jesus is talking. Again, you have to use your sanctified imagination, friends. Can you imagine Jesus talking and all of a sudden, you know, stuff start falling from the roof? <laughs> stuff just start falling down. Had to be an extreme distraction. But Jesus is wise and the spirit speaks to his mind. And as that man is let down, please, my friends, when I read these stories, you got to get the point. These, this man is let down in the midst where Jesus is. Now, I'm going to say this one time, two times, three times, a hundred times. There is no way that you and I can be in the presence of Jesus and walk away not healed unless we just tell Jesus, don't heal me. And when I'm talking about healing, I'm not talking about physical healing. I'm talking about that heart healing. I'm talking about that spiritual healing. There is no way possible that if you and I are let down into the presence of Jesus, which right now, my friends, you and I have the opportunity where two or three are gathered, he's in the midst, and there's more than two or three on this line, there's more than two or three listening on Facebook, there's more than two or three listening on my podcast, there's more than two or three listening. So because you are listening, he is in the midst, and if he's in the midst, healing is guaranteed unless you tell him no. Hear me now. Because I'm telling you right now, for me, I need Jesus to heal me. I need him in the moment that I'm in right now, in the storm that I'm in right now, I need Jesus. If, if we don't have Jesus, we don't have nothing. If we don't have Jesus, we have form and fashion. If we don't have Jesus, we just have religion. And that's horrible. Jesus is in the midst 
And as he's in the midst and we're in his midst, healing is guaranteed. Guaranteed. Watch this now. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Please note, whenever Jesus gets around faith, he yields to the demands of it. Y'all not hearing what I just said. Whenever Jesus is around faith, he always yields to the demands of faith because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And because he's not a liar, he must fulfill what he himself is. Y'all not, I think, did anybody get that? <laughs> did you get that? Because he's not a liar and you hold his word by faith, He's going to say, because you believe that by faith, I will fulfill what I promise because I am a God and I cannot lie. So when Jesus saw their faith, he responds to that faith and says to the man and does for the man more than what he even thought to ask for, your sins are forgiven. Now, I should have, I didn't, pull a quote from the Desire of Ages that says, when the man heard this, he was physically healed in the moment that Jesus told him his sins were forgiven. He was physically healed when he received his spiritual blessing. Mercy. So watch what Jesus does. Watch it. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk? For a moment, I just want to see what you guys think. Which one's harder to say for the manifestation to take place? Your sins are forgiven. Or take your bed and walk. Which one's harder? What do you think is harder? Your sins are forgiven. You humble yourself and believe. Amen. Which one's harder, friends? The declaration of sins are forgiven or the declaration rise up and take your bed and walk? Which one's, which one's harder? Your sins are forgiven. You better believe it. The one that's hard is your sins are forgiven. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Let me tell you why. When Jesus says, take up your bed and walk, could the Pharisees do that? Could they say it? Yes. Would it have any power? No. Think about what I'm saying to you. If the Pharisees declare to the man that was paralytic, rise up, take up your bed and walk, would the man have gotten up and walked? No, because there was no power in the word of the Pharisee. There was no power in the word of the Pharisee. Because there was no power in that word, the reality could not manifest itself. Mm. Your sins are forgiven. 
is harder. Because when Jesus says it, it is. Come on now. When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, when he says you are clean, it is not a theory. It is not a theological ascent to information. It is a command of his word which manifests itself in reality. Come on. So think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. Think about this. When Jesus declares it, the man literally feels the weight of his sin, his burden re removed from him, and he's simply laying in his bed, basking in the power of the forgiveness. Jesus then says, Jesus then says, whether it's easy to say that sins be forgiven you or, or rise up, take of thy bed and walk, but that ye may know, listen to this now, but that ye may know that the son of man have power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately, now somebody please define immediately for me. Please don't use the word immediately to define immediately. So type in the chat, what does immediately mean? What does immediately mean? And please don't use a word to define a word. What does immediately mean? That instant, that's right. Instantly, that's right. That's right. Right away, like now. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right away, like right now. At that very moment. Come on now. Come on. I want you guys to hear what we're what we're looking at is a manifestation in the physical sense of what happens in the spiritual reality when we confess our sins. When you believe that you have received the forgiveness that God has said he's giving to you, it is not five months from now. It is not seven days after you fasted. It is not after you've done all these good things, then you're in right standing with God. When you believe what God has declared and you receive the word, it is in that moment that you have what he's declared. I don't think, is anybody, it's, you know, in church, you can see amens. You can see people's faces. Computers are harder. So I'm imagining your amens. <laughs> huh? This man heard the word of God and that word manifested itself in reality in his body and his body responded to the declaration of that word and he got up and he walked as Jesus said take up your bed and walk and go into thine house that word manifested in his flesh demonstrated itself and he walked immediately immediately now, I'm emphasizing this with you, my friends, because sometimes as believers, we believe in evolution. We do not believe in creation. Creation as God declares it. He says, let there be light and there is. He says, let there be a firmament and there is. He said, let there be fishes in the sea and there are. Let there be beasts in the field and they are. My friends, God's word is powerful. The question is, do you accept and believe what the word has declared. The Bible says, and they were all amazed and they glorified God. 
and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. I wonder, for you as a believer, for me as a believer, do we walk around with guilt, shame, when we don't have to? God has promised something in his word. He's declared it. And one of the things that he's declared without question, God says he is willing and able to forgive and cleanse from all unrighteousness. Our faith is not in some theorem. It's based on the word declaration. That's what he desires. You must pray according to the word. All right, let's go a little bit further with this. I want to go to John 20. John 20, John chapter 20, and looking at verse 31. John 20 in verse 31, the Bible says, but these are written that ye might believe. So he's writing the word so that you might believe mm -hmm. that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Do you believe? Go to John chapter five. And I'm going to ask that question over and over again until the night is finished. And by God's grace, we'll leave here believers as we should. This is another story of Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Listen, if you want to have a conversation with me and be in a good space, we, we can talk about the gospel, Jesus Christ, prophecy in, in, relation, to the, in relation to the Lamb of God. I can go all day long in that space because it brings such joy to my heart. In John chapter five, and we're looking at verse 17, I mean, verse, verse one, it says, after these, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, pay attention now, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So when I'm reading this with you, I want you to begin to see this not as physical ailments alone. I want you to begin to see this as spiritual deformities as well. Because what Jesus is doing in the physical is an illustration of what he wants to do in the spiritual. What Jesus is doing in the physical is an illustration of what he wants to do in the spiritual. All right. And then there's this, this idea that an angel comes down and troubles the water and whoever gets in first, they're healed, right? Verse five says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and eight years. There's some folks on this line, somebody's listening right now, who's had the same sin problem. And I say sin problem. I use a word like sin. It's a theological term. It simply means you're doing something in your experience that is breaking your relationship with either yourself and God or yourself and others. That is the, the essence of what sin is, the violation of the law of relationships between God and humanity. 38 years in this situation. 
I remember going to a, a church out in Arizona. And I preached on, I don't know if it was this passage alone, but it was, it had to do with this. And I talked about people being in a church for 50, 60 years and never being converted. And a man came down during, during one of my appeals and he came down weeping. He had to be at least 70, 75 years old. And this man said that he had been in the church his whole life and never giving his heart to Jesus, never accepting Jesus by faith, but had been attending his whole life. Now, let me tell you something about that. Anybody that attends church and does religious activities for 70 years and doesn't know Jesus is in bondage. I mean, it is hell on earth to be a Christian in name and not in reality and living a Christian lifestyle. That is bondage because everything's going to look like it's a burden. Everything is a chore. Well, I have to pray. I have to read today. I have to go feed the homeless. That's a chore. That's, that's something that you have to do to show yourself like religious. But if you know Jesus, then it's no longer a chore. Now it becomes a joy. Now you're willing to press through the hard times because there's a motivation beyond superficial, uh, 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 superficial, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're, you're just being part of the crowd. You're, you're a cultural Adventist or a cultural Christian or a cultural Methodist or Episcopalian. Cultural religion is, is horrible. <laughs> Stop doing it. There's a person, his name is Jesus, and as you are in relationship with him, then your actions become less of a burden, and now your burdens are light because you're yoked with Jesus. The man been in church for 70 years, 60-something years, didn't know Jesus. Oh, don't let that be you and me, friends. Don't let that be you and me. The Bible says in verse five, a certain man was there who, which had an infirmity 30 and eight years where Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been long, been now a long time in that case. He said unto him, wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another step is down before me. Now, let me stop. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus ask him all that? Did Jesus ask him? Did, did the man answer Jesus' question? <laughs> the man said, Jesus asked him, will you be made whole? The man says, well, the, see, the water is troubled, and I can't get in the pool when they trouble the water. And while they're coming, somebody jumps over me. I love Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus didn't even bother with that. Number one, the angel trouble in the water was not a true, it's not true, right? It's, it's like that was a folklore they had going on then. So that's not true. So the guy had a false understanding of God. God didn't even trouble him with the false understanding. He just bypassed that. The man making excuses, other people jump in before him. So the man had a false theology, was trying to be cured by something that wasn't going to heal him in the first place. Jesus didn't even deal with that. Jesus looked behind all the clutter. Will you be made whole? Man answers with a bunch of clutter. Jesus says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. 
Now tell me something. I used to, I used to do this when I did evangelist comedians. I have a piece of paper in my hand, right? I'm going to command that this paper stay in the air. Here I go. Ready? I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to tell it to stay in the air. I'm going to command it with my word. Stay in the I'll try again. Stay in the air. It's not working, guys. Stay in the Stay in the air. I think you guys get my point. Our word does not carry the weight that Jesus' word does. When Jesus tells a man to rise in the declaration of that word itself was power. When he says, take up thy bed and walk, what's the declaration of power? The man received the declaration of that word by faith, grabs hold of it because he had never heard nobody say nothing to him like that. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Boom, grabs it. What happens inside the man? The man that had not walked for 38 years, the Bible doesn't say that it took seven days for him to heal. It says, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed. He took up his testimony and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Come on now. Well, somebody's giving me some special stuff in the chat. Let me see what they're saying here. Who's giving me this? Oh, Brother Kevin. All right, let me, let me read what Brother Kevin put here. And then I'm going to put, since Jesus had given the palsy man no assurance of divine help, the man might have said, Lord, if thou would make me whole, I will obey thy word. He might have stopped to doubt and thus have lost his one chance of healing. But no, he believed Christ's word, believed that he was made whole. Immediately, he made the effort. Immediately, he made the effort. And God gave him the power. He willed to walk. Come on now. He willed to walk. And he did walk. Acting on the word of Christ, he was made whole. Steps of Christ says he acted on the word of Christ and God gave the power. He was made whole. He acted on the word, friends. He acted on the word. So when I read to you and I say to you, friends, that when, when we accept the reality of what the word says about our condition, we are sinners. We are in need of Christ. We can't make it on our own. Repentance is a gift of God. Confession must be specific. I follow all those instructions. Then he says, but I have declared you clean. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from our, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness immediately. <laughs> well, Andre, see, this is, this is the thing. This is the thing. We judge the word based on our experience and not based on what it declares. And when we judge the word based on what our experience, we lessen the power of what God can do in our experience. Stop judging the word based on your experience. Judge the word based on what the word says, by what it says, and you do it immediately. Don't hesitate. Trust God immediately. Oh, if there's a word that we're going to leave with tonight, it's going to be immediately. <laughs> It's going to be immediately. Now watch this. I'm going to show, I'm going to give you a, uh, a quotation here. It says, in like manner, you are a sinner. You cannot atone for your past sins. 
You cannot change your heart and make yourself holy. God promises to do all this for you through Christ. You believe that that promise, you confess your sins and give yourself to God. You will to serve him. Let me, let, me, let me read it again. You believe that promise. You confess your sins and you give yourself to God. You will to serve him. Just as surely as you do this, God will fulfill his word to you. If you believe the promise, believe that you are forgiven and cleansed. God supplies the fact you are made whole. Just as Christ gave the paralytic power to walk when the man believed that he was healed, it is so, it is so if you believe. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It is so if you believe today, this moment, you are clean. Brandra, I've been struggling with this uh, alcohol problem for years. If you believe the promise, if you confess your sin and give yourself to God, and then here's the, the science, you will to serve him. At that moment, my friends, God will empower you to walk. He will empower you to put down that bottle. He will empower you to put down that pornography. He will empower you to overcome your temper problem. He will empower you to overcome your appetite problem. He will empower you to love those who are unlovable. He will empower you to have peace that passes all understanding. He will empower you because he's responsible. He's promised it. It's in his word. It either works or it doesn't. Now, somebody says, well, it doesn't work for me. I've asked them to take it from me before. You can't just do it one day, friends. It's every day. You must make this choice. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. Practical truth that, I'm, that is here. Steps to Christ 51 paragraph two says, do not wait to feel that you are made whole. Don't wait to feel like you're made whole, but say, I believe it. It is so, not because I feel it, but because God has what? He's promised it. So don't wait to feel like you're a Christian. Don't wait to feel like you're better. Don't wait to feel that you've overcome. In this moment in time, you claim the victory right now. Practical truth number one. Don't wait to feel, but say. And I love how she, how she says, but say. This is what you say. I believe it. It is so. Not because I feel it, but because God has promised. God has promised, and you hold on to that promise, just like Jacob held on to that angel, and he would not let go until God blessed him, because you promised. <laughs> you ever had your child tell you that? Man, if you promise something to a child, and they remember that you promised it to them, and they start saying, but you promised. As a parent, you better execute that, or you're going to have guilt for the rest of your life. <laughs> Huh? Do not wait to feel. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something that you may or may not, you may know or may not know. Feeling is your enemy if you are depending on it instead of faith. 
feeling and faith are as far from each other as the East is from the West. They are not friends at all. Feeling are not to be considered when you are a Christian, my friend. Especially if your feelings are opposite of what the word says. Now, am I saying you shouldn't have feelings? I'm not saying that you shouldn't have feelings. I have feelings. But they are not the guardian for what is to be done. Feelings follow. You act a certain way and feelings follow. But don't let feelings be the guide for you. Imagine the paralytic sitting there. And Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And he's sitting there like, uh, you don't see my legs? Can't you see? Can't you see my legs? Can't you see that they all shrivel up? 38 years of none use? Your feelings are not to be considered when you are listening to the word of God. Your feelings will kill your Christian walk. I promise you. Don't live by your feelings. Live by faith. Let's go a little bit further. Go to Mark. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Verse 24. I hope this is making sense, friends. Mark chapter 11. Look at verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall, what's it say? Ye shall have them. Now, does this mean when I get on my knees and I pray for a million dollars and I believe it's supposed to be had? <clears throat> no, that's not what that means. What it does mean is whatever God has declared in his word for you, then you can claim it a thousand percent as if it's done. If he says you are forgiven, that's what the word says, it is done. You, you follow what I'm saying? So whatever the word is declared, you pray according to that word, it is guaranteed that it's going to take place. So you need to pray according to the word. Pray according to the will of God. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Yes, Sister Yvette. Yes, my feelings be killing me too. I'll tell you the truth. They have me all over the place. I'd I be imagining the worst things. And then when I do, when I actually talk about it, talk to somebody about it, it's like it's not as bad as I thought. You know, I'm in my own head. I'm in my own head. I tell you the other night, I couldn't sleep. I think I told you guys this. Couldn't sleep. It was like 12, 12, 12 at night. I stayed up for four hours straight, worrying, thinking, crying to God, and finally the Spirit just said, Andrew, why don't you read? So I read. I picked up inspiration. I began to read, and my mind calmed down. The Word of God calmed my agitated mind. As I read the Word, faith was born within. So if your feelings are running off with you and you're feeling anxiety building inside of you, I promise you the Word will calm your feelings for faith will supersede that feeling. I tell you by experience, not by theory. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, why are we, why are we talking about this? Because in the Christian walk, what ends up happening 
is that you're going to start feeling worthless. Like the devil's going to come to you and start telling you all the things you've ever done wrong. It's going to start saying, you know, this is why this is happening to you. And this is why this is happening to you. And if you hadn't done this, then this wouldn't have happened to you. And these people are just mean and evil. And you start just contemplating all these things, start crushing out your soul. But in God's eyes towards you, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. You have to have faith in what the word declares about God towards you. You can't depend on your feelings. I, tell, I say this all the time. If you live by your feelings, you will die in your sins. I, if you live by your feelings, I'm not saying you don't have them, but you must rule them. Bring every thought into captivity to the will of God. If you live by your feelings, you will die in your sins because faith and feeling are not friends. Faith leads, feelings follow. All right, let's go a little further. First uh, um, Peter, first Peter, go to first Peter. First Peter. So here's what you do when your feelings start being funny on you. Start praising God. Verbally, out loud, start praising God. Start singing songs. Rejoice in the Lord. All You know, just you, you have to physically start moving in a different direction in order for your feelings to start changing. Open the word. Claim the promises of God. God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. First Peter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So what, are you, what were you redeemed by? The precious blood of Christ. This is what you keep in your mind. The devil's going to try to crush you with guilt and shame, keeping your mind what I've been bought with. Who loves me? Who gave himself for me? Why did he give himself for me? You let those thoughts run through your mind. You speak hope. You talk hope. You put people around you that speak hope. You put music on that talks these things. Your faith increases. And as your faith increases, the power of the word begins to manifest in your experience. All right, let's go a little bit further with this. Now watch this practical truth number two. So I gave you practical truth number one. Go back to practical truth number one. Do not wait to feel that you are made whole. That's practical truth number one. Practical truth number two. Now that you have given yourself to Jesus, do not draw back. Do not take yourself away from him. But day by day say i am christ i have given myself to him you guys get that day by day you need to say this speak it declare it <laughs> every day because if you don't strengthen it with your words if you don't strengthen this by verbally saying it it starts to die on you my friends you start to forget, I am Christ. I have given myself to him. And then it says, and ask him to give you his spirit and keep you by his grace. 
as it is by giving yourself to God and believing him that you become his child. I'll read it again. As it is by giving yourself to God and believing him that you become his child. So you are to live in him. The apostle says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Colossians 2 verse 6. Does that make sense, my friends? Every day you declare this. I am his and he is mine. He loves me. He's given his grace towards me. I pray for his spirit that I may walk in by faith in this wicked world. I pray, Father, for joy and peace in my life. And I claim it by faith, not because I feel it, but because your word declares it. I will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me for he trusted in me. And my friends, like I told you, you wouldn't know it, but this has been the toughest part of my life. And as I've been going through the toughest part of my life, there are days I just want to sleep. I don't know if this ever happened to you. I'm, I'm working, working, working. Like I just need to take a nap. There are days it's just overwhelming. And then there are times when I remember if I keep my eyes on him, there's peace. And my friends, it comes just like he says it will if I exercise my mind on what he says to exercise it on. God's word is true. And every other man and woman is a liar. So Jesus is a friend of sinners. Come as you are. There's no probation. There's no need for proof of reform. You come as you are. You accept his word. And in that moment, in that immediate time, you are whole. You are made whole immediately. You don't have to show proof. You accept it. And you walk by faith. Now, let me read this to you. It says, some feel... Some seem to feel that they must be on probation and must prove to the Lord that they are reformed before they can claim his blessing. But they may claim the blessing of God even now. They must have his grace, the spirit of Christ, to help their infirmities, or they cannot resist evil. Jesus loves to have us come to him just as we are sinful, helpless, dependent. Somebody, if you are sinful, helpless, dependent, type it in the chat. Type it in the chat. If you are sinful, helpless, and dependent, type it in the chat. <clears throat> type it in there. Sinful, helpless, dependent. I'm going to type it in the chat because I am. Sinful, helpless, dependent. That's me. And guess what, my friends? He loves for us to come to him in that condition. It draws us to him, my friend. I am sinful, helpless, and dependent. We may come with all our weakness, our folly, our sinfulness, and fall at his feet in penitence. It is his glory. Listen now, my friends. I love this. It is his glory to encircle us in the arms of his love and to bind up our wounds, to cleanse us from all impurity. It is to his glory to do this, my friends. 
So why 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 do we show up to God like we got it together? Why 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 do that? You're wasting you're wasting your time by coming into the wedding feast in your own garment. Just come as you are, and He will clothe you and clean you and heal you because that's what He does. It is to His glory to encircle us in the arms of his love and to bind up our wounds to cleanse us from all impurity. God is so good, friends. He is so good. I don't, I don't see why you would want to serve anyone else. It is his glory to encircle us in the arms of his love and bind up our wounds to cleanse us from all impurity. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, we don't talk of this enough. We don't praise him enough. We don't glorify him enough in this space, my friends. We forget and we cover up our brokenness by religious activity, thinking that we're all right and we're all wrong. So come as you are. Come as you are. No probation, no proof of reform necessary as you come and leave everything at his feet. And my friends, when you leave everything before him and there's nothing to hide from him, there's no secrets before him, there is peace that passes all understanding as you trust his word. No one is too sinful to save. God does not deal with us like sinful mortal man does. Oh, I'll tell you the truth. Sinful mortal man will hold a grudge for a minute. They will blame you for stuff you didn't even do. But God, He's not like that. Go to Isaiah 55, verse 7. Isaiah 55, in verse 7. Isaiah 55, in verse 7. Watch what the Bible says. The Bible says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. Tell me. How many wicked ways, how many wicked things can God forgive? Every wicked way, my friend. He will have mercy. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Tell me, what does abundantly mean? It means a whole lot. It means overflowing. He will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly forgive. And when we receive it, somebody says, oh, Andre, this is, What's the word they used to use? Cheap grace. No, this is not cheap grace. This is a very expensive grace. Because what happens with this type of grace, when abundance is given to us as sinners, we then desire with all of our being as we receive the forgiveness to serve God with everything that we have. But if we only receive a little forgiveness, then we'll probably only serve God a little but when we recognize our need, the abundance of what he's given, then abundantly we want to go back and serve him even more. Isaiah 44, look at verse 22. The Bible says, but this is a people robbed and spoiled. I'm sorry, wrong one. Isaiah 44, verse 22. I was reading something wrong. Isaiah 44, verse 22. It says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions. Hallelujah. 
and as a thick cloud, thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. My friends, this is a promise. God says, I have blotted them out like a thick cloud. That means you can't find them. You can't find them. But you know what happens? We're harder on ourselves than God himself is. We'll go find our own sin and punish ourselves. We'll go find our own sins and make ourselves do penance of some sort. God says, I've abundantly pardoned. I've forgiven you. You've, you've done your thing. You have done your thing. You are in your sin. Come unto me, all you that labor. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I want, to, I want you to consider these texts. Go to Ezekiel very quickly. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. And we're looking at verse 32. And we're coming to an end here. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32. The Bible says, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Hear God pleading. Turn from your wicked way. I have no pleasure. I don't get any joy from destroying mankind. Go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Look at verses 18 to 20. Luke 15. <clears throat> verses 18 to 20. The Bible says, I'll arise. This is this is the the the, the uh, prodigal son. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. Take these texts. Read them slowly. This is God's heart towards you and I. He sees his son a great way off. We're told that he went out every day looking for his son a great way off, and he runs before the son even can fully confess everything. This is the father's love towards us, fully vested, abundantly ready to pardon, not really wanting to have any destruction come upon us. That's the devil who's put that stuff in our ears. Jeremiah 31, look at this. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, the Bible says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. There it is again. God is actively desiring to save us. I don't know if you've ever had a lost loved one. Have you ever watched them beat themselves up? What I mean by that is they don't come to God because they don't feel worthy and they don't feel like they want to be hypocrites. So in order to not be a hypocrite, they're going to stop doing religious things altogether so they won't be a hypocrite. Not understanding that in that place where you're acknowledging that you're not what you're supposed to be is when God can do the most for you. You understand what I'm saying? Like the hypocrisy, God is not about. However, when you recognize that you are messed up, this is when God is in full doctor mode, full counselor mode, full restore mode, full creator mode, full redeemer mode. He's like, good. You finally acknowledge you can't do good without me. 
I can help you now. Again, every verse I have here, I think you should memorize. I think you should go back and just, I think I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to memorize every one of these because the enemy loves to come and put us down. If we have these verses in our mind, it protects us and, and guides our feelings to what the word declares. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. Watch what the Bible says. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her sucking child? That she should not come, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. That's Jesus. Jesus lives to make intercession for us. This is what he desires to do for us. You cannot weary him, my friends. You can't do enough sins for him to be like, I'm done with you. Do you, real, do, you, do you realize, listen, 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 I want you to see my face, my, my strange face here. Let me, let me show you my face. <clears throat> listen to me. Do you realize that there is not a number of sins that you can do to cause God to turn from you, except that you have married yourself to the sin itself? And if you have married yourself to the sin itself, then God says, let him alone. But it's never that God is fed up with you. I hope you receive what I just said. It's never that God is fed up with you. It's more so you have married yourself to it, that there is no distinguishing between you and it. And only God then can declare that. You don't even declare that. You may think you can't be saved, but God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, friends. I hope you hear what I'm saying. As you read the promises, remember, I'm gonna, let, me, let me put this up. As you read the promises, remember, they are the expression of unutterable love and pity. The great heart of infinite love is drawn toward the sinner with boundless compassion. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1, 7. Yes, only believe that God is your helper. He wants to restore his moral image in man as you draw near to him with confession and repentance. He will draw near to you with mercy and forgiveness. My friends, if you and I receive this, then there's hope for us. There is strength for us. There is joy for us. There is peace for us. When the word declares that you are clean, believe it. When the word declares that you are forgiven, believe it. Don't look at your situation and then define whether or not you are clean. You believe the word and the word declares you clean and then you become what the word declares and you walk in the declaration of that word by faith, which gives you power to live and trust that God cares for you. God cares for you, friends. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Trust that God is on the throne, that he loves you particularly. I know it says for God so loved the world, that's true, but it also says, for God so loved Andre, so for God so loved Angelique, 
so for God so loved Arlene, for God so loved Barbara, for God so loved Charles and Esther, for God so loved Daniel, Diana, Glenda, Sister Ingrid, Justin, right? For God so loved you, each one of you, each one of you, each one of you, my friends. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on what he's declared for you. Don't give up for what he's promised to you. I know right now a lot of folks are giving up. I'm seeing it all around me. But you don't need to give up, friends. God has something special for you. How many understood the word this evening? And let me just type it. If you understood, just type yes, I understand. Or just type yes in the chat if you understood. Yes and amen. Amen and yes. Now, God has special work for us to do, my friends. The revelation of his character. But you can't reveal the character and you can't extend forgiveness if you haven't experienced it. You can't preach the gospel unless you, when I say preach, I'm not talking about verbally. I'm talking about inexperienced wise. You can't declare the gospel to someone else in its truest sense unless you've experienced it for yourself. So I encourage you. As you've heard the word of God today, believe it by faith. Take those promises that you saw on the screen. Take these promises, write them down. Take those verses, write them down. Go back and meditate on them. Find other verses that talk about God's posture towards the broken and sinful man and woman. And as you imbibe them into your spirit, you will then be able to declare with energy and with faith, yes, God saves. Yes, God is real. Yes, in the midst of my storm, I found peace. Yes, he is able. So then when you sit down and you're talking about end time events, you will no longer talk like a dragon, but you will share end time events like a lamb. Come on now. We must have this experience, my friends. Theoretical ascent to information will be our damnation. We must have a heart conversion, a heart change. Amen. Amen. Amen, my friends. Amen and amen and amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your grace and mercy. We want to thank you, Lord, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what you deserve, what your son deserves. Lord, we want to be open and honest with you. We have nothing to bring except for our, our broken hearts and our troubled minds and our, our, our feelings that are all over the place. And our we, we need you. You see our homes? You see us? We need you. And Lord, the principles that have been shared over the past couple of weeks are enough to save if we would just take your word and apply it. Please, Lord, may these words find good soil. May we not just hope to be Christians, but may we in reality become 
what you desire us to be and maybe not give up. Lord, I, I pray that you send the spirit of encouragement to each one that's listening right now that will give up. The only thing we want to give up, Father, is our brokenness. We pray for peace that passes all understanding. We pray for love that comes directly from your throne. We pray for steadiness of mind when all the world has gone crazy around us. Please, Lord. You see us. We love you, Father. We ask that you teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.